Hello and welcome to the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason, along with Amy Donaldson. I'm Jason Lee. On this episode, we are joined today by Arvin Mitchell. He's a comedian, and we're going to talk today about some important and pertinent issues facing minorities uh, here in Utah and just really just across the, uh, the country. Arvin, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Hey, listen, uh, I just want to give you a couple of minutes. Tell us about yourself and, and how'd you come to get here? Well, um, I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. My I'm one of 13. I have my dad is one of 13. Yeah. Well, I just um, I love being from a large family. I miss my family. I've been here. I'm going on my third year. Mm-hmm. I got hired here to be a writer and a cast member on this show called Studio C. It's a clean sketch comedy show. And um, my 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 girl broke up with me while I was living in California and my agent called and asked me, would I be willing to move to Utah? I said, for what? He said, opportunity. I packed my bag and I came and checked it out and I've been here ever since. Let me ask you, did you know anything about Utah before you got here? I did, but it was because I did, um, I did a dry bar comedy special here mm-hmm. at the dry bar and, and it has like the, one of the most views last time I checked on, um, on, on YouTube and it was so fun and great. That was all I saw of Utah. Um, when I had, when I was at the hotel before I did the show, this guy got on a treadmill next to me, asked me what I was doing here. <laughs> and I told him what I was here <laughs> for. And he, he just became a non-Mormon and he just went off. I was like, have a good day. Cause I can't take this energy to my show. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, everybody's experience won't be my experience. And that's what, um, that's, that's, that's kind of like my mantra right now because yeah. everybody keeps trying to do their ministry on me. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is. And I'm like, dude, I'm good. I made it to this age figuring things out and talking to people who make sense. So, <laughs> so you're married and living here now? Right? I'm married and I'm living here now, yes. Any kids? We have two children okay. and a dog. And they're all female. All right. Good we love the there, dog. Really, my wife I, is a female. I, 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 will, I will wish you luck and uh, hope that at some point you'll ever get your own bathroom. That's yeah. Really you know what? We're house shopping. That's what we're doing down <laughs> oh, here. Oh, good and luck. I hear what, that's a nightmare. It is, but... I have an RV, so I'll always have my own my bathroom. <laughs> it's a Roman man cave. Okay. There you go. That's my dad. My dad has one, too. He said, if it, worst comes to worst, I live in the R-Pod. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> so tell me what the what the dream is. Like, what, do you, what are you doing now, and what do you want to do? You know, um, I'm writing on the show right now. I'm acting on the show right now. And I was just telling my wife on the way down here, as much as I, I will continue to take writing classes, um, I really only have a passion to do stand-up. I love stand-up because the beauty in stand-up, especially when you're not censored, is when you're done on stage, you're pretty much done. You know what I mean? Like, like I mean, there's still marketing to do. I'm bad at that. I'm great on stage. Mm-hmm. The stage is my couch. I can, I can, it feels like a ministry to me. It's mm-hmm. so comfortable up there to be able to engage with people of different backgrounds and whatnot. And it makes me happy. And to, to engage with people on that level, it just it is like a reciprocal thing. If I can make you laugh and me seeing your teeth, like the, the your molars, like I can see the back of your <laughs> mouth. Um, that, you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. my goal is to is to make people laugh. And um, when I'm writing for television and, and doing different types of comedy, it, it gets watered down to me. And I don't want, to your point earlier when we were talking, I don't want my ideas to be miscommunicated or transferred in a way that I didn't intend for them to be. And yeah. I don't want my words manipulated. And I know as a as a evolving artist, I have to be able to 
deal with that because that's a part of it. All the words won't always be my own. Even if I have my own show, they censor and do these various things. But even when I have to be clean as a stand-up comic and I have to censor myself, it I can. my challenge to me is to be as funny as I can be clean like I used to be when I was doing blue comedy. You know, so do you I, like? Do you enjoy clean comedy, or I, do you? Would you? I enjoy comedy so much. I don't care whether it's clean or dirty. Right. I, I don't say the n word on stage, um, but I will listen to other comics. I don't. I'm not a fan of it because that's not who we are as a people. And some people don't think of it the way that I do. And I had to put myself aside to to still be able to not preach that to other comics because they're not my children. But yeah. um. Yeah, I love it's clean interesting because it is an art and you're trying to balance like the artistic part of you and the and the part that likes to be entertained. Right. You know what? Listen, Absolutely. I want to jump in here for, for one second. Richard Pryor. Mm-hmm. So if you he had an album mm-hmm. called, you know, that N word is crazy. Mm-hmm. And, but it was in it was in IGGA, I think. But I could be wrong. But yeah. either way, it won a Grammy. All right. So, yeah. However, what I remember was when he was. um he, he he visited Africa. Right. And when he comes back, he removed that from his act. His act. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who at the time had been on stage 30 years. Yeah. For him to be able to do that, for him to be able to recognize mm-hmm. the the impact of that, because he came, he came back and I remember him saying, you know, uh, we're beautiful people. Mm-hmm. We are not what that word means. We're not ugly like that. He said, I just came back from Africa and I didn't see any ninjas. Right. And I'm That's paraphrasing, right. but right. but when he said that the audience laughed, it was at a concert, the audience laughed, but they didn't get where he was going with it. And to have that type of impact and still have a following like he has, and even now mm-hmm. for up and coming comics to know that story about him and still use it. It's like he was using his comedy to minister on that level. Like, this is not who we are. But uh, a lot of people in our culture have embraced it so much that it's, it's actually hard for them to let go. And they will justify and defend it, you know? Well, but again, so Larry Wilmore, <clears throat> famously he, at the uh, congressional, uh, uh, the White House uh, congressional uh, uh, reporters dinner, the, correspondence, the correspondence, correspondence dinner, yeah. Mm-hmm. At the end. And I love Larry Wilmore, all right? Yeah. But I'm going to tell you something. If I ever meet him, first thing I'm going to do is say, dude, that, that there's no part of me that thought what you did was okay. Yeah, but it he hurt. knows that he it, it did it hurt me. It yeah. hurt, and I'm, I I want to know that I would love to know what uh, the president and the first lady thought of that because yeah. even though they understood it, it wasn't for everybody. It, it was not for it was that was not meant to be said in a room full of people. Yeah, that's meant to be said in his ear. Probably not in the White House either, by the way. Or period. <laughs> No, no, I get but that. I know what you mean, right. too. You yeah. know, because there are people, like, I, I have friends of mine, I'm, uh, I'm an alpha, so I, I got this young brother who's a good, good man. He uses it like it's nothing. Yeah. And we have a, a, a Vietnamese uh, uh, brother, this, and he, he plays our fraternity. He says it around him. Wow. It hurts me. I don't want him saying it around him. Yeah, yeah. But people, they, they have allow it. They have different sensibilities. And so, again, to, uh, to the point you made earlier, N-I-G-G-A to some people is different than N-I-G-G-E-R, which is what they consider to be a hateful word. To me, they yeah. are both words that I don't put in my vocabulary. Right. All right. Mm-hmm. So I stopped saying it after high school. Mm-hmm. And before that, I, I thought nothing of it. But this was the uh, 70s and 80s. Yeah. But man, oh man, I remember distinctly when there had been this movement started so that we as uh, African-Americans 
we were going to leave the charge, take it out of our lexicon. Mm-hmm. And now it's kind of made this resurgent due to resurgence due to hip hop. And, you know, it's, it's very difficult. But we know you can't tell a grown man what to say. Yeah. But you can not allow him into your world. Right. <laughs> and you can say, hey, look, you got to curb that when you're here. Yeah. And and so, yeah. you know, that that respect happens. But generally speaking, it's just I think it's always going to be a problem we deal with. Yeah, that's that's one of the um, one of the issues I'm dealing with in having interviewing people for my podcast. And um, I don't want somebody to not be themselves because I know how it feels to be censored. But I'm going. It's hard. Like, do I just not produce something because you in love with that word so much? Or figure out another way. I'm not beeping stuff every other word in, in a podcast. That's a lot of editing. Yeah. And I don't know how to do that. <laughs> so anyway, there's bigger fish to fry in comedy as far as I'm concerned. But that's not in my vocabulary. It's not in my world. So I'm I'm grateful that I've evolved to be cognizant of how much of an impact words can have on people. So you feel like uh, when you were as you develop your act, how do you choose what topics to talk about? I'm kind of a free flow kind of comic. Like I was talking to you earlier about reporting. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty much, I'm reporting my version of my life. So it's only so much you can kind of pick apart what I'm saying to you. If it's my story. So you won't hear me challenge um, your political icon or demon on stage. I'm just here to have fun. I just, I want to make people Think and laugh, but most importantly, laugh. I don't care if you think or not. That's not my (laughs) responsibility. But if I can make you think sometimes about something that I'm saying, even if it's not, it's not, it doesn't have to be historic. It's just like, you know, just the, one of my friends said, can you give a homeless child homework? Like that makes you think before you laugh. Like, well, well, can you? He doesn't have a home, but you know what I mean? And some people might find that insensitive because the child is homeless. But the... That's why I like wordplay so much. So I just, I don't have to always pick something. It's just the idea will hit me. Like I was on my way here and I was talking to my wife and I was, I was, we need police reform right now. And I was thinking that if you made all black women cops, that would, that would stop the killing. They would just take off their belt and just spank you and put you in time out. And I was like, I should really work on that as a bit. That's a great bit. Right? Yeah. Let me Thank just you. say, they don't even need to pull the belt off. They just need to look, look at you. See, <laughs> you know, you know, that look. When you, My mom used to give me that look and I know. I'll let make me, myself. <laughs> right. It won't be as bad. Right, right. Uh, the look is telling you to stop now. Don't make me have to pull off the belt. There you go. Right. And it's, so it's that simple. You know, I'm putting the cereal back. I didn't ask if I could get this <laughs> off the shelf. Let me humble myself without getting, you know, getting, getting the whip Come to you. Yeah. When we come back, I want to ask uh, Arvin about a couple other things. And uh, as we talk, I feel like one of the things that I got to know him a little bit is that he's a very thoughtful fellow, and and just having somebody who, with a different perspective than me and Amy, living here and kind of expressing to us what he has learned uh, in in his new experience, uh, it, I think it's going to be very interesting. You're listening to Voices of Reason. Welcome back to the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson, speaking today with Arvin Mitchell, a comedian who's, you know, kind of a, a thoughtful and new Utah uh, from the Midwest, like myself, as a Chicagoan. Been to St. Louis a couple of times. One of the hottest places uh, I've ever been. And I, 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 I look. Hottest I mean, temperature wise? or hottest? <laughs> if, you, if you go to uh, St. Louis in the summer, 
it is smoldering how hot it is. That's funny you say that. I think Arizona is the hottest place. No, no, place no. Arizona is hot. Memphis is hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, New Orleans is hot. But when you're right on the Mississippi River, man, it just wow. it, it never stops. I'm and, just used yeah. to it, I guess. I guess. Man, I, <laughs> it's that wet heat. It's that wet. It, it's the damn heat. Yeah. It just humid takes it right heat. out of you. Yeah. So when we were, uh, I, I wanted to kind of go back to one of the things, uh, you know, just you mentioned like the looks of parents and, and being able to kind of keep control of things. Mm-hmm. You know, can you talk a little bit about your growing up and what that was like and, and how did that get you to where you are today and, and then kind of juxtapose that a bit against what you see in society today? Oh, man. Um, my mom didn't play. <laughs> you know, she um, – she, I remember, like, she had rules, and she raised us to say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, and sir, and everything, and we're very respectable, and I've learned that it got me very far in life just by respecting other people no matter – what they look like or how old they were. Even when older people don't want you to say yes, sir, and no, sir, you you start with that and let them tell you, don't call me that, you make me feel old. And when you say, well, you are, then they don't like that. <laughs> so <laughs> um, my mom and dad, they were they were activists, and um, my mother's still alive. My, my father passed a few years ago. He was a Marine, and he was a great man, and I miss him like crazy. Um, she just had a no nonsense policy for lying and stealing and just dumb stuff. And it just, you know, seeing how hard she was on us by being scared of, um, of the drug dealing that was going on in our community. She, she was always on me making sure I wasn't into that. And if we had a lot more time, I would tell you stories, man, where I'll tell you one story real quick. (laughs) This guy tried to get me to sell drugs and I was too stupid to know (laughs) he was selling fireworks on our block. And I went over to buy some fireworks from him and he gave me a bag of fireworks. Right. He was telling me how much to sell them for and this and that. And I, he sounded like the teacher from Charlie Brown because I was just thinking where, yeah, where am I going to get some matches or a lighter from to get to popping this stuff? Man, I left out the house. And I went and got my friends down the street and we went to this vacant lot and had the time of our lives. And I went back and uh, to get some more fireworks. I'm oblivious. Right. And he goes, where's my money? And I was like, man, I need some more fireworks. He's where's my money. He's sitting around the table with his other drug dealing friends. And uh, (laughs) and I was like, what money? And he's like, you didn't sell anything. I said, we popped him up or whatever. And he said, man, you better get out of here right now. And his friends just fell out laughing. It was so funny to them. And and I left. And uh, I remember years later when I was able to drive, I moved out and I came back to, to, the, to where I lived, to the street I lived on. And I went to go visit him. And he reminded me of the story. And we had a really good laugh. And he was he, he told me he was trying to see how I would do with the fireworks to see if I could manage selling drugs. I said, man, I'm glad I was stupid. Right. Because number one, even if I knew what he was doing, I wouldn't have made it. I'm not a drug dealer. I never wanted to do that. And my mother would have killed me, right. you know, but I never had a desire to do that. I was never, I was impressed by certain things that I'd see that I want to buy or whatever, but not to the point where I go take my community out to, to get to it. Get there. I, yeah, I was cutting grass. So she gave me the discipline. I was cutting grass and, and predominantly cutting grass. That was my thing. I saved up enough money. To um to buy my own lawnmower and I would cut grass to make money to get my hair cut and buy my own shoes because she would always get us shoes from Payless mm-hmm. and I wanted a different kind of shoe not Jordans I just wanted a cooler looking shoe so she was like you pay for them yourself and that was that was discipline where I'm from so where, where uh what number are you in the thirteen I'm number four 
Oh, so you're up in there. Yeah, the yeah. I'm one of the oldest, and um, and I, I, I love most of my siblings. You know, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just, man, I'm, I, I it, it, having a lot of siblings taught me that you don't really need friends as much as you might think you need. Yeah, but you got your built-in friends. Most of I'm an only child. I wouldn't have yeah. no friends if I didn't see? leave the house. Yeah, see, and I'm one of six, and I, I mean, I have four sisters, so that takes a lot of time. Yeah, you got to have girlfriends on top of that. It's yeah. a lot. That's a lot of time. And my yeah. sisters were extremely protective of me yeah. to the point. One time, I was fighting this dude in front of our house. And I was I was losing. He was getting the best of me. And my sister jumped in and beat the snot out of Chris. <laughs> I will never like I stepped back like when she jumped in, I was like, should I still be involved? Like she you know what I mean? She was like, taking care of business. You didn't have to be involved no more. Dude, I tapped out. Like <laughs> I was like, all right, I guess she got this. And to this day, like I will never forget that that mm-hmm. that happened to me. But yeah, I had great parents growing up, man. So I have a question for you guys about the use the use of the N word. Mm-hmm. You guys talked about it in the first segment. Um, do you think I feel this way about some of the derogatory terms used towards women and I hear women using them. And I wonder sometimes if we've been convinced that if we take it back, that we take back the power that we that that we maybe we didn't have when they used it on us. Mm. And I, I wonder if it's just much more complicated conversation. It's not just a matter of like, I want to use this word I think is cool or, you know, or or what it means in my life, you know what I mean? Like it's a, a singular experience. I wonder if there is some way in which there's power attached to those words, right? Mm-hmm. And the power is to keep us in our place, to mm-hmm. humiliate us, to remind us we don't have power. We're we're you know we're begging for a seat at the table most of the time. Wow. And I wonder if your thoughts on just this idea that some people want to use it because it's saying I have the power. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. You when you attach freedom to stuff, it has a different meaning. You know, I I, I just being a, um, a writer on this show and working around way more women than I'm used to. I mean, I had I have so many sisters, you know, um, but you don't work with them like, you know, right. like at a job. So I yeah. could say things around them, but I don't I, I was raised with raised with respect. So I don't say things around them that would that would hurt their feelings or whatever. But it taught me. That especially in the work world, that people are trained or not trained to do certain things. You know, the women that I work around are so amazing. They're so cool. And they're such women. Like, I remember we were in the writer's room one day and two of them who who, who are pretty much best friends came in with skirts on to make a point because their voices weren't being heard in the writer's room. And a lot of guys have been raised to treat a woman like you should shut up when my presence is here and you can't say that and I'll listen to you to a degree and then I'll cut you off and da, da, da. and it's going like so many times these women have spoken up going well I just said that uh hello so it slowed down the momentum in the room to make an impact and I had to appreciate that and I know as a black man how it feels to be silenced you know whether whether you literally say shut up or you just don't take my my comment into consideration like you just move past what i just said and i just um i think everybody should seriously be heard if we're going to make a real change mm-hmm. anywhere you know but so many things are done the old fashioned way that's the that's the new way of saying it the old fashioned way so everybody gets away with it and the people who are made to be silent are still silent that's what i always say that 
women and people of color are the only ones who don't want to time travel. Only people who want to time travel are white dudes because <laughs> it's the good old days. It weren't so good for me, for my people. You yeah, know what I mean? I say like, that all the time. That's right. The good old days were good for a certain segment of the population. And none of them are in this room right now. Can I say one more thing? Sure, man. Um, the irony in you making that statement about time travel is I wrote two sketches about time travel. <laughs> and I wish I could. <laughs> I would definitely be very particular in what years I picked. But um, I, I just I, I'm infatuated with with time travel okay, to a degree. I want to talk about that. In the okay. Next okay. Let's talk about that. When, right. when we come back, we will talk about time. Travel. <laughs> <laughs> Along with Amy D, I'm Jason Lee. You're listening to Voices of Reason. We are back with the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason, Jason Lee and Amy Donaldson, speaking today with Arvin Mitchell. Uh, Arvin, we... Let's talk about time travel. <laughs> before we, before we, we leave it, uh, apparently uh, time travel is going to be a thing uh, on this segment. Hilarious. So, I, so I, I never thought about this travel? until yeah. a comedian, Jessica Williams, one of my favorite comedians, uh-huh. uh, she does a great pod... Well, she did a great podcast, uh, Two Dope Queens. Was okay. Actually, my that was one of my very first podcasts I listened to. First mm-hmm. one was Serial, and then Two Dope Queens was my second podcast. Okay. Um, but Her I, partner's got a show on Comedy Central now. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. And so, um, but she she said, somebody mentioned time travel on their show, and she mm-hmm. said, black women don't want to time travel. And I thought, mm-hmm. neither do I. You know, yeah. I mean, there are <laughs> definitely things I would have liked to have seen in history or people I would have liked to have met. Mm-hmm. But I after a couple hours... Give me back. Yeah. Give me back here. Right, right. So, what's your thoughts? You've written about it. Um, you know, I had I wrote this sketch about um this, this kid's cleaning up his room, and I, <laughs> this kid's cleaning up his room, and his mother walks past the doorway, and she, she she notices that his room is a mess, and she stops and says, "Didn't I tell you to clean up your room?" And he's like, "Didn't I tell you I clean it up when I'm done playing Red Dead Redemption, this video <laughs> game?" And she goes, "Boy, I just got a." A parking ticket and the meter wasn't even expired. You gonna talk crazy to me in my own house? I will slap you into the middle of next week. And then he goes, "Well, then who's gonna clean up my room?" And she slaps him, and he goes into the middle of next week. So with the editing and everything, they show him, you know, just disappearing and everything. So that's why I thought it was funny. And there's more to the sketch, but I just wrote it. I just like time travel because it made the the uh, cliche phrase that that I was We've raised all on heard. right yeah I've heard I, that too it, yeah. that it made it possible yeah. and so I don't know if I'd really want to go back so yeah. if you could time I still travel love the notion that he came up with a skit for that so <laughs> I, just, I, I heard that I'm like that is brilliant especially <laughs> nowadays when people are so worried about talking about hitting you know yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was surprised that it got it got picked to be on the show because yeah. somebody gets hit I, you know I guess that's a question what is it like trying to do comedy right now you know what's funny about that a lot of people think it's harder but for me um it's just on my heart so much how much people need to laugh Mm -hmm. it's it's not harder for me it's just it's it's not hard it's Mm -hmm. just if 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 you don't want to laugh don't come to the comedy club or don't (laughs) don't find humor in things you don't have to be in a comedy club doesn't want to laugh some people just don't they yeah i think like i've literally seen people come to a comedy show and have a straight face and you just can't do it for them. And and as a comic standing on stage, you see a room full of 300 people and only one's not laughing. That's the one you're focusing on. You know what I mean? It's it's a thing <laughs> in our head. But I'm still, yeah. I mean, I've done I've done so many shows. Um, and one of the things that helped me get sharper as a clean comic is when I started getting booked for Norwegian and Carnival. And I'm, I'm, we were contracted to do 
three adult shows and two family shows. So I'm doing two family shows per cruise and I just don't want to call it in and just, you know, go up there, do the time, you know, do stock jokes and, you know, and just waste the time. Oh, my 30 minutes are up. Now I'm getting off stage. Like I need to make you laugh because I'm risking my life to do comedy. Every time you get on a plane and go travel somewhere, you're risking your life. You get on a cruise ship, it can sink. Like, I'm risking my life to do this, and a lot of people don't think of it that way. But that's why entertainers make big money. You're taking all that time away from your family, and you're getting on planes, buses, trains, all these things to go make people laugh. So some people just come, and their intention is to destroy a show. They will say something that I remember I was on stage, and this, this white dude in the front row said, Dance, monkey, dance. And I was killing the show. And I I paused. I said, what did you just say to me? Like, I couldn't just move past that, even though I was probably one of the only people that heard him because he was in the front row. And I, sh- I could have moved past it, but I magnified it with the microphone. These things are powerful. And I said, what did you just say to me? And he said, dance, monkey, dance. He repeated it. And um, I said, what made you say that? And he said, I'm from another country. I said, no, you're not. Own it, man. Own your racism. Own it. You know, and I had just left my cabin reading the introduction of Black Wall Street. And for those of you who don't know about Black Wall Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Tulsa, Oklahoma. yeah, mm-hmm. got bombed. And, you know, they were shutting down black businesses and doing everything they they could to take away the power of black families who were being very progressive. And in the introduction, it said that there was a black sheriff in town and he was not allowed to arrest a white person no matter what they did. As his job as the sheriff, he cannot arrest a white person no matter what they And so when he said that, it's crazy how fast my mind thought. I didn't say anything funny back because that's not always the proper response for me as a man. I want to share something with you. What is the proper response to something like that? Sometimes the proper response because I know mm-hmm. because I've been down this road before, not to that degree. Some people are just trying to get a free cruise. He can't stand to see me standing on stage winning. You know, so I can't give you my power by saying you such and such and swear whether it was a clean or dirty show and and make you see me lose my cool. So now I'm looking like a monkey. You know what I mean? So my my father didn't raise me that way. So I had to I had to shift something in me and tell him. I just told him, man, if if you don't want to be here, you can leave because I'm rocking this stage, bro. I'm killing this and and I'm at the top of the show and that's not going to stop me. Like Mm -hmm. I, I live to do this. Like I could go to school and make more money and do all these other things. But when I tell you comedy pretty much saved my life and other people's too, a woman came up to me after a show that I did and I was thinking about stopping doing comedy before I walked into that room because the two club owners that hired me started taking me for granted And made me feel some kind of way. And I parked my Chevy in front of the club and I told myself this is my last night doing comedy. Not this club. This is my last night doing comedy. I didn't know what I had in me at that time. I went in there and I killed the show. This lady stopped me on the way out. I thought she was trying to get with me, you know, because I'm kind of nice looking. I was just going to say, I'm so (laughs) handsome. Yeah. No, but she... um. She said, I just want to say something to you. And I was like, I got to go. She's like, please, I need to share this with you. She said she was contemplating suicide. And I made her forget what she was thinking about while I was on stage. And I truly believe she blessed me just as much as I blessed her. And when I left, I sat in the car before I drove off longer than when I went in and really thought about how these words matter. She checked out. She stopped thinking about whatever she was thinking about committing suicide for. 
and just focused on how much of a fool I was being on stage having fun. But also how good it feels to laugh. I mean, I've I've had this experience where somebody's mm. made me laugh when I am not in the mood, you mm-hmm. know, or I, I don't feel like there's maybe you're like there's not joy, right? Yeah. It's gone or it's too heavy. Especially this last year, I think it's been really hard. Yeah. But I think that um, it's it's more so that you feel that laughter, you feel that joy, and mm-hmm. you say, "This is what I'm supposed to be. This is what Celebrate. I'm after." Yes. Right? Yes. This is the thing. It's like a vitamin. Like yeah. when I seriously, when I laugh at something that I didn't even like, you you didn't suspect something that was about to happen, and when you laugh so hard, you go, you feel empowered. It's mm-hmm. like a superpower to be able mm-hmm. to make people laugh, and I just, I just love it so much to. Like I, I've, and you I've, almost let somebody take it from you, and I think yeah. that you recognize that. In yeah. her, I always say God doesn't answer your prayers directly; He sends somebody else. Man, and it, it's happened to me so many times. I, I've I've gotten on a platform behind a podium to speak at a funeral and end up making people laugh, and I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to share what's on my heart, mm-hmm. and people end up laughing, and it it just really makes me feel good to to for somebody to leave my presence knowing that I gave them that, you know. I cannot tell you how much you just touched me with that story because you changed somebody's life. No, you saved somebody's life. And that is not hyperbole. That woman told you, you saved my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is such a gift. And it saved your life too, by the way. I mean, it, yeah. it, it brought you back to realize that this is what you were meant to do. Right. Yeah. And I, she know I don't believe in God, but. Uh, I'm working on him. There there is some uh, serendipity in that. And and the world is better for it. And, uh, you know, and who left is the best medicine. Saving somebody's life. That is, um, man, that that is beautiful. You just made me think about something. But thank you for acknowledging that. But when you said, I don't believe in God, I was thinking the first thing came to my mind was God believes in you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and and that's that's definitely an off uh, line conversation. Gotcha. (laughs) And again, I'm not trying to force anything on you. I hear you. I truly believe to each his own. I'm just glad to still be around after all that I've been through, man. Brother, I I can't believe I'm still here. Like, I've done some dumb things. <laughs> and I'm serious. Like, sometimes I wake up and I'm going, like, I have to pinch myself. I'm still here. <laughs> Bro, I've done some, I've jumped out of moving cars. You're still here and you still feel joy. And you're yeah. still spreading joy. Or, yeah. or seeking to do that, right? Like Absolutely. that's a moving car. <laughs> I did, man. I was, I was a fool, man. I, I have too. Haven't you, Jason? <laughs> uh, and this was not, was YouTube involved or was it just It was thing? not no. involved. No. YouTube wasn't even a thing yet, yeah. I don't oh think. God. But um, yeah, man. I don't know about your moving car just story, but mine was a, a fight. <laughs> so. Oh. Okay, well, there you go. Uh, when we come back, we may be talking about jumping out of moving cars. <laughs> Along with Amy Donaldson, I'm Jason Lee. You're listening to the Voices of Reason. <laughs> Back, we are okay. Hold on, I gotta stop those. I'll start to laugh already. Forgive me. That's how we should start. Okay, in fact, we will start like this. Um, I'm Jason Lilo with David Donaldson. This is Live Our Project's Voices of Reason. And this is what happens when you invite a right? comedian into the room. Thanks, Armin. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so uh, we were off, we were talking about time travel, and then it somehow it got to uh, racism and heckling. And, uh, <laughs> We're covering it all. Life-saving okay, comedy. Yeah. And, and just, okay. So now, 
as we were on this, uh, Arvin was explaining to us how, you know, how lucky About he was. Africa. So yeah. let, let's go back to one second. So this, this starts with the idea that this heckler is in the audience, and he said the most racist thing in the world. And Arvin was able to handle that very deftly in a way that, you know, it, it kept his dignity, but still that guy was not going to have any after that was over. But, I mean, he had as much as he could. Mm-hmm. Arvin held on to his power. And Arvin held on yeah. to his power, but he explained the part of the reason why. is like, I got the sweetest gig in the world. I'm not giving that up. Yeah. And you were explaining how, uh, you know, just the way you've been able to travel the world and, and how it's been able to help you. I'm I'm wealthy. That's 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 how I look at what I do. When I get on a cruise ship to do comedy, the 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 cruise ship is my boat. I got pools on the boat. There's there's everything that's accessible to me and I wasn't going to let that guy mess that up. I take I take I get paid to do comedy and he paid to see a show and do that to your own money, you know, but I can travel with my family for 7 bucks a day when I go do a cruise ship. I was not about to let him mess that up. And and this is it's, it's exciting. I, you mentioned a trip that you took that I'm really curious about going to Africa. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I got I got booked to do Africa, Italy, Spain. Where um, in Africa? We, we were in um, Djibouti, nice. the Horn of Africa, mm-hmm. and 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 then we went to the real Oktoberfest, man. To see oh, in Austria, man, no, in in Germany, in Germany. yes, yeah. to yeah. see people sprawled out in the street, nine o'clock in the morning, drunk, drinking out of those steins. I was in like, this is exciting. Yeah. Oh man, oh, Oktoberfest yeah. is, it's just it's it's a myth in other places other than Germany. Okay, <laughs> it was it was so fun, man. But to, from where from my background, for me to not be in the military and travel as much as I've had the opportunity to make troops laugh. And after they shared their story with me, seeing people beheaded and wives or husbands cheating on them while they're serving the country and seeing them weep and then us as comics be able to come in and bring them joy. And my father was a Marine. So when my father passed, I went, the the lady who bought our house, she only bought it because I didn't know it was for sale. She gave me the photo album that my dad had tucked away in the basement and it had a picture of Bob Hope on tour. When he came to his base, and I was just thinking about the irony of that. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So I won't let anybody mess this up for me, and I'm not going to mess it up for myself. You know what I mean? Like, it's a, it's such a passion of mine, man. I wish I knew everything there was to know about stand-up. That's why I, I love it so much. How many can, years you been doing this? I've been doing stand-up over, I guess, about 25 years now. Okay. So yeah. tell, I'm really interested, we don't have that much time left, but uh, to talk about some of the challenges you faced in sort of, Getting your own voice out there and so your perspective, right? Because that's what's fun about comedy is yeah. you learn something from the comic's view of life. Yeah. Um, the, the I, I would say it's not so much as like things that, that came up against me so much as learning comedy. Like when you learn comedy, you, you learn about timing, beats, what's off color, what's what's funny to you that's the most important thing to learn as a stand-up comic is finding your voice and what's funny to you not pandering to an audience and learning what's funny to them first you make them get you the stage is my room and the comedy club or whatever the venue is is my house and if i invite you into my room to play with my toys i'm going to show you how these toys work that's what the microphone is to me and i'm my own instrument so when i'm doing these things and i'm I use my face to make people laugh. I use timing. I use I use my stories and I use the audience because it's it's a it's a 
it's an inclusive thing. Yeah. And I can't do it alone, even though it looks like I'm on stage alone. So my my toughest challenge was just like, which stories do I tell? You know, and and learn that it's not about money first. You just evolving in your craft, and then you have to also or at the same time learn the business of it because so many yeah. people will take advantage. But of does it. the pandemic has it made it more complicated? Not at all. Okay. It it is people have a need to laugh, and I'm solving a problem. I'm helping them laugh. I have an RV. I'm about to start pulling up on people in the springtime in my RV with my microphone and give them some free jokes. You know, if I if they want to send money to the cash app that's going to be on my T-shirt, they're welcome to it. But this Utah is known for a lot of um, methamphetamines and opioids and things. And I know a lot of people, because you all have short summers here, um, depression is heavy, kind of like in Alaska because it's gloomy a lot. And um and it she's doesn't from, have to she's be from Alaska. Though. Yeah. Oh really? I've been there. Yeah. My dad served there. He learned how to ski. And um <laughs> yeah, I've been to Anchorage and um I can't remember the other part that I've been to, but I've been a couple of times and the salmon was amazing. But um it's people need to laugh and I'm that vitamin. I'm gonna be there and I'm gonna do it. And I think like when people think about challenges, they give the challenge more power than they give themselves. So I'm gonna knock this thing out and do what my gift is. You know what I mean? So if the pandemic shuts down a club, you take your show on the road. You just figure out, you just had to be more creative about. Mm. My how? agent didn't want to do virtual shows. But when he realized that we getting the same money that we're, that I was traveling to Jamaica or getting on a plane to go to Florida to do, then, yeah, I'll do a virtual show for you. So I'm doing that. And um, and I'm still writing and working for Studio C. And my cast is amazing. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about them. These people have taught me to slow down in life. It, it's nice not to get on a plane every other day and entertain people sometimes because it gave me the opportunity to not just build a network but to know people. To know that something's going on in your life and you ask my opinion about it and I can share with you this week, next week, next month and to see um, people lose weight with me. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I I joined. I have a community now. You know, it's a very small community, but it's a community yet and still. But I want to encourage people who are listening. Don't give the pandemic that much power. We know what it is. We know how effective it can be, whether you believe or not. Just just do what you can with the time that you have left here to to be a better person yourself or to empower someone else because, well, you don't have to do what I do, but that's that's what I'm here for. So I got a couple of questions. First of all, you got a website? It's ArvinMitchell.com. Okay. But I ask people to follow me on Instagram because that's easier for me, and my Instagram is ArvinComedian. Excellent. And uh, wait, are you performing on stage recently or, or uh, coming up? Um, I am. I'm glad you asked because <laughs> I would get in trouble. And aren't you putting a show together with some people maybe that you enjoy or you think are good? Yes. I, I started this production called Funny First Sunday in St. Louis and it would be standing room only. And I'm the host and we would have so much fun. It was hard to stop at the end of the show because it was that bananas. Mm-hmm. And um, and I brought it to Utah. And it's it's harder for me to do now because I don't have as many friends and family. Like my family can bring fifty people alone. I was gonna say, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. and it's a hundred seater. So um, right now um, I'm I'm doing it at Wise Guys Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. It's the first Sunday of the month. We're not doing it in May because they already had a show booked for May when I went in to make the deal with Keith, and um, he's been great to me. Um, yeah. So we're doing it again in June. I'm going to fly in. Um, 
my friend Javon Bibbs. He's performed with Martin Lawrence, and he's been on Comic View, and he's just a great comedian. His style is is just so epic to me, mm-hmm. and um, and I'm pretty sure you guys will enjoy him. But yeah, I'm playing the Wise Guys in um in Ogden coming up in May, and I'm about to pull up the date as I answer your questions. Well, I will get you some people to be at that show, and also, I mean, I don't have a huge network, but we can start certainly start doing that. You know, uh, we, we're running out of time, so I I will tell you this: the one thing I I've found that we we find gems and guests sometimes out of nowhere, and I I still don't know. How we got connected, I, uh, Michael Brandy. Yeah, Michael Brandy. Okay, I, so now I got to. I have to go and thank him now. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I love that man. No, I, yeah. I realized from the, the moment he's, I met him, he's in my tribe. Brother, do. I know that's right. He's so yeah. solid, and um, he's a great photographer. And just to sit in fellowship with him, to there's not a lot of black men here, and it's a it's a it's a truly, it's such a treat to meet you both, and you too, Amy. Thank yeah. you, even though you're not a black man. I know, but, but she wants but, to be a black woman. So. <laughs> but, but I have to tell you, off air, I'll tell you my funniest. Uh, when Michael and I went on an assignment together, when he knew I was not like everybody else in the Deseret News. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, and he and I, so after uh, he, he told me about it. I talked to him for two and a half hours. Wow. And so then he mentions I should call you. I'm like, okay, I, but I mean, we because we don't talk enough, mm-hmm. so we had to make up for a lot of lost time. Right, so right, it's, right. it's kind of one of those things. And uh, yeah, I, I don't get to see him as much as I'd like to, uh, unfortunately. And we've been living in the same city for 20 years. That's crazy. It's crazy. Isn't it? I'm, it's a pleasure to meet you both, man. Um, I was telling my wife um, last year that, and I, I've told her this before. I I just married her in August, just this past August. But um, I was telling, I need I need men to fellowship with. We struggle with so many things, and it's not popular for us to go see a therapist. And we need to fellowship, and whatever your word for it is, you know, we need one another. And because I can't, I can't go to a white guy and share my fears about being pulled by the police, or well, yeah, yeah. And, and even buying a house. Yeah, I never thought I'd have to think about this buying a house. Like, if my neighbor doesn't like me, I come home this every day, and I gotta leave my wife at home. You know what I mean? Like, it's. We need one another as a people, but even more so as men, because I need to know how you did it. How can you do it? You've been here 20 years, man. And just like an an up-and-coming comic has to ask me, like, how did you get through Dance Monkey Dance? How you do that? Because the guy I was was working with was like, you better than me, because I'd I'd have threw him overboard. And I'm like, and then I'd be in prison. That's right. You'd be in prison, and I wouldn't be getting any of those nice jobs again. (laughs) Right. Listen, uh, unfortunately. Do you want to give the date on that? Oh, that's right. Yes, I mean, thank you. Yeah. Um, it's May 21st and 22nd in Ogden. Um, I'll be doing a, um, uh, uh, I'll be doing clean comedy. And, yeah, um, and I'm funny clean. So please come see funny. me. Funny. Yeah. No, clean, funny, clean, dirty, period. you I'm name sorry. it. Yeah. <laughs> funny, funny. Alvin, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And uh, join us again for the next episode of the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. If you have any comments about our show, please uh, contact us via email at voramed at gmail.com or at vorjasonl at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at adonsports and at jasonlee1. Our show's Twitter handle is at Podcast. Check out our Facebook page. You can also find and subscribe to free episodes of our podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or any of the places where you find interesting content. Be sure to review our show as well. We love to get your feedback, and it helps us grow our audience. Until next time, along with Amy Donaldson, I'm Jason Lee. When you engage in passionate debate, do your best to keep your dialogue civil. Try to be the voice of reason.
Voices of Reason is a production of the Loudmouth Project.